0: Hey, Junior Nation. Now more than ever, exclusive, entertaining, and free content from the world of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is no further away than your fingertips. It's all thanks to Dale
1: Jr.'s Dirty Mo' Radio presented by Exalta. All eight Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and of course, dalejr.com. So whether you're at home,
2: at work, in the gym, on the run, or just hanging out, Dirty Mo' Radio gives Junior Nation its newest and most versatile way yet to plug directly into the world of Earnhardt anytime, anywhere.
1: This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio.
0: Cannon Jr. goes to the lead at Daytona
1: Dale Earnhardt Jr. will
0: lay claim to his first NASCAR Winston Cup victory Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500
1: Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. again for the Dale Jr. download on Dirty Mo Radio. As usual, my awesome uh, producer, editor, co-host Tyler Overstreet's with us. That's,
2: That's the p- nicest thing you've said to me.
1: Well, I'm trying to hold back. We got we got some good stuff to talk about. Uh, Fontana, obviously. Uh, we'll talk about a couple uh, things we saw on social media this week. Talk about the celebrities that we saw tracked Fontana is a race where we get. You know, we always get celebrities at most of the race weekends, but that was uh, quite a few. It's comparable
2: to the Daytona 500, so we'll
1: yeah talk to that. NCAA brackets. We'll also do some uh, Ask Junior questions. That'll be live on Periscope. And fa- Facebook Live. And Facebook Live with uh, Mike Davis helping us out. And then we'll do Looking Ahead. Anyways, uh, it's got a, got a pretty good show here. A lot of good stuff, so let's get to it. All right, so uh, obviously uh, another average finish for us this weekend at Fontana. 16th place. We lost a couple spots there right at the end. I think Denny hit the wall off a four, and, and uh, uh, we kind of didn't have anywhere to go. Don't you think we lost a spot there? You lost it. I would have beat him. Yeah. Would we have beat the 31, I think we would have.
2: Yeah, it would have been close. So I think yeah. you may have lost one spot, but the only way to get around him would have actually been to drive through him. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: of course. So So uh, that, you know, I guess uh, 16th. Yeah, not very good. Uh, considering we had to start in the back, though, uh, we did uh, – and there weren't a lot of cautions in the race, right? Did you no, think? They,
2: they ran pretty long green. Yeah. Um,
1: so we didn't have a time op- too many opportunities to uh, take advantage of restarts to pass a lot of guys. We had five restarts in the final stage. I just said we didn't have a lot of cautions, but we had five restarts in a 80-lap stage. That's quite a few.
2: Yeah, but four of those were in, like, the last 20 laps. Right.
1: All those restarts, we were on the inside. Started 17th, 15th, 15th, 17th, and 13th.
2: And I think on at least two of those occasions, you were going to be on the outside, and then somebody would pit, and then, bam, they were in your spot. Yep.
1: So, starting on the inside is really, really frustrating, Um Especially at a track like that, you really get pinched uh, down by the guys on the outside. They have the momentum off of turn two, so you're lucky if you can maintain your position. I'm sure there's some guys that uh, got lucky and might have gained a spot or two starting from the inside, but it's very rare when you're able to do that. Typically, if you're on the outside, going down into turn one, you either want to put you either want to go into the middle, or go into the third lane, thus making it three wide. So you're waiting on everyone to sort of decide what they're going to do and you jump into what available hole there is. And so the guy on the bottom is completely vulnerable to all this.
2: So your only opportunity to even get to the middle is dependent on that guy running the third groove. Huh? So like you were trying to get to the middle <laughs> on some of those late restarts. I know
1: that was the only way I could survive is if I jumped to the outside of the guy in front of me. But anyways, starting on the inside is pretty frustrating uh yeah that that cost us an opportunity to get a top 10 finish that i think we were capable of getting um that made it much more difficult uh we also anyways had to start in the back we mentioned that we had a cut tire on the uh right front of the car so that morning when we were uh, getting the car set up they found that uh cut in the right front the rule in nascar is that and it's a new rule implemented uh Cars are supposed to qualify, uh, and then start the race on those tires if they qualified on. So,
2: and is that a cost-saving?
1: That is a cost-saving rule. A lot of the guys, is f- from, from what I heard, uh, and have been told, it was a rule to save every team one set of tires throughout the entire year, which amounts to thousands of dollars. Particularly, uh, a good rule for the back half of the field. Some of these guys, uh. Uh, that are that are tight on the budget. So what it's done though is in situations like this it is it has made NASCAR have to make a call where alright I had to cut my tire and I can only replace one tire. So for people who uh, you know haven't driven drove a lot of races or or ran, you know you know know a lot about tires and so forth Putting one sticker on a a car with uh, three old tires is going to make that car drive completely different than it's set up to drive. So that that one tire, wherever you place it, is going to have a ton more grip than the other three tires. So it causes a little bit of frustration because we're going to get a lot of bad uh, input from the car as to what to work on for the next pit stop. So do do we adjust on the car or is it this tire creating this issue? Um... And we have to go to the back. I mean, go. you know, I, I can understand going to the back. If I have to put a tire on, I'd want anyone, you know, that gets a new tire to have to suffer some kind of penalty. Uh, but I'd at least like to put rights on if it's a right side cut. Oh, so
2: you would be fine if you could do? Just two. Okay.
1: Yeah, because that keeps the balance of the car reasonably close to what it's going to be. Um, and that's still not such a... That's not such a big advantage, I mean, you had guys that didn't get through qualifying, yeah um Jimmy and those guys opted not to qualify, so they're not in this conversation, but some guys missed qualifying due to not being able to get through tech the six to twenty two and a few other cars it's almost a blessing because at a place like Fontana where it's so wore out and slick, it'd be the
2: same thing like at Atlanta where the tires where wore fall out and, off and slick immediately, yeah, yeah,
1: so you you can um. You got so much better tires than everybody else, and these guys in front of you, uh, directly in front of you, have one cycle on their tires. When you get into the top 24, you got guys with two cycles on their tires. When you get into the top 12, you're racing guys with three more cycles on their tires than you have. That is about a half a second in speed uh, at Fontana Advantage. So... I was just jealous as hell once I got sent to the back and had one sticker. I'm starting back there with guys that have four stickers. <laughs> right. So I was like, damn, I should have just misqualified altogether. Hindsight uh, is twenty twenty. It is. Uh, but so
2: fortunately, the caution came out within like the first 10 laps. And who you cares? Were, you were able to get up that,
1: to – Yeah, you're – It's not
2: all uh, negative. It is.
1: I don't like the rule –
2: I don't like the rule either. All right,
1: that's what we're talking about. Yeah,
2: but it, it also happened to Denny Hamlin a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, Denny. Does, I wonder if Denny likes the rule. I'm sure he hates it. Well, it was frustrating uh, to wake up to that news in the morning. But anyways, we uh, we seemed to be able to, you know, we got back up into the top twenty in ten laps, so we we made up the penalty pretty quickly. Uh, the car was uh, pretty fun to drive. Uh, The balance wasn't all that great all day long, but we worked real hard, obviously, like we always do, making a lot of adjustments and made some things better, never really fixed some some other things. But the car, uh, we we didn't practice really well. We practiced in 30th and 27th on Saturday in the two practices.
2: And people were freaking out.
1: Yeah, I would, too. I mean, if that's where I saw my driver in the lineup... Uh, The reason why we didn't practice that well is because we started all those practices on used tires. The reason why we did that is we used used one more set of stickers on Friday during qualifying practice than we typically do. Greg was trying to figure out how to get the car a little faster for qualifying, and we sacrificed a set of stickers that we typically use on Saturday. So we had to start practice on Saturday on a used set of tires because of that. And that, like I said, it's a half a second difference, the sticker versus even one cycle on the tires. And so when I go out to practice, I'm at a half a second uh, disadvantage to most of the guys that are out there on stickers. And that's why we were so slow in the chart. Now, our average, if you average all the lap times together in practice, we were about fifth best, Um, which I thought told me we're in the ballpark, and we kind of were. We were running around 11th to 16th most of the race, most of the race. And... um, I feel like we should have finished around 8th to 10th uh, if we had gotten lucky on some of those restarts in the outside line that would have been a good possibility for us um, all those restarts get pretty crazy you go down in the corner like I say there's five lanes in the corner right so we're all heading down into turn one and you're gonna go wherever no one, you know wherever they don't and so what you have is you know Five lanes, you got five cars plugging in those holes.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible just watching a restart there to see yeah. everybody go every which way, and it's not like you're not all over top of each other.
1: No, not really. There's a plenty of room, but you got to be real aggressive. And it's hard to it's it's you have that confidence, and it's easier to be aggressive when you're in outside line. You got way more way more options, but so that would uh that pretty much sums it up. Um, you know the the. We obviously understand, because we're living it, that our car needs a little more speed. We're working hard trying to dig and and find our uh, weaknesses and find the speed that we need in the car to get the cars to driving better. I want everybody to know that we are working pretty hard. We've worked hard to this point, and it's not good enough, and we know it. Um, but there's been an unusual amount of. Uh, I wouldn't say criticism, but concern, on social media. I stay pretty close to what you know, what fans are saying, what our supporters are saying on social media. And there's been a little bit of an unusual amount, I suppose, of concern considering how we finished in the first several races. But one of the things that really pisses me off, I guess, is when they talk about the pit crew or my crew or my crew chief. Um, You'll see tweet every once in a while where they're like change this get somebody there get get a new guy here Get get this get get rid of this guy get this. This is my team, right? You know and that real you're talking about my family Because
2: people just don't understand How much time that people are put that these guys are putting into it? It's not that people are slacking off they these guys are digging in but yeah. so is everybody else in the field. It's a competition.
1: It is. It's not supposed to be easy. I've worked with this pit crew for a couple of years now. Um, we've all gotten really close, and I've seen them perform extremely well, and I know they can, and that's why I believe in them. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little frustrating when you see, uh, see people so quick to, uh, you know, to jump to conclusions on what you need to be doing or what changes need to be made. But. That, you know, we're, we're all very close and communicate with each other throughout the week. And uh, we're going to work on this together and get it right uh, as a group with who we have. So um, we're 21st in points. It's been a slow climb and claw back into relevancy. Um, obviously trying to get in that top 16 to get to the chase. And uh, a lot of room for improvement. But we're working hard. Next five races, Martinsville, Texas, Bristol, Richmond, and Talladega. All racetracks that we've won at. Yeah. So.
2: And ran very well the last two or three years. Yeah, so.
1: really enjoy Martinsville. We're going clock hunting this weekend. Texas is great. Uh, they got uh, a new configuration in turn one and two, all new pavement. That's going to be interesting uh, for everybody to sort of dial in. Bristol. You can't not hate Bristol. I mean, Bristol's just amazing. Yep. I'm hearing at Bristol that they're gonna um gonna be putting down the tacky on the bottom. Yep. Uh, to try to help the bottom groove. But anyways, uh, got a lot of good tracks coming up for us to see. You know that the thing I like about that list of tracks is that I'm confident we can run well at them. And we'll be able to understand how our progression is is going when we go to these tracks that we're confident in we'll be able to understand if we're getting better and uh start to see some improvement there so i'm sure we'll you know heading into the summer we need to start getting back into that top 15 in points if we don't have a win uh by midsummer it's going to be uh it's going to be pretty close i think getting in, getting getting toward the chase we're going to be in those you know we're going to be fighting some guys for that bubble spot right we're in such a uh, bit of a hole right here. So it'd be awesome just to get ahead and knock a win out and get it locked in. Think it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. In any of those tracks. All right, let's move on. Uh, we had a couple of interesting tweets this week. Uh, one of them was the quality passes,
2: which that is a pass inside the top 15.
1: Right. So Monday, I replied to a stat comparing the quality passes. Passes inside the top 15 for the first five races of the past. Three years so Daytona, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Fontana. Uh, they're down significantly, that de- down significantly at Daytona, Las Vegas, and Fontana, down from 2015, but up from 2016 at Phoenix. No change at Atlanta. Um, so, passing is down. How, how, uh, and really, the racing hasn't looked much different to me. Uh, the cars
2: and the spoiler is about what an inch shorter than it was last year.
1: Yeah. The the cars have way less downforce. Uh it was I don't know I I don't know that it was going to produce more passing. I think that was the that was the wrong message or the wrong impression for people to get. It wasn't going to create more passing.
2: It's just going to make it harder to drive.
1: It's going to make it harder to drive, but if you did get to a guy, it wouldn't be so it wouldn't it would be easier to pass
2: and is that That's, accurate
1: yeah i think it is we still have trouble you know following another car they do punch a hole in the air um we could go on and on talking about you know ideas on how to improve this or that and the other but i was surprised by that stat that, that the passes are i didn't think there would be any change really uh, i thought it'd be minimal as far as uh, a difference between passing in the top 15 from the year to year.
2: I will say it's – right if, right now it's it's kind of like the top five for it seems like the past three or four weeks is the 78, the 42, the 24, 2, and 22, somewhere yeah. in that range. Maybe you mix in the 4, the 18. But it's the same guys pretty much running up front. Yep. So you're not seeing a lot of – and those guys qualify up front. So you're not seeing guys drive from 25th up to the front very often. Nope. Um,
1: Although it it does happen. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know why passing is down significantly. Uh, I do like the low downforce package. I did have a lot of fun driving a car that was very hard to drive and should have been uh, with that kind of a spoiler on the back at Fontana.
2: Do you think that the stage racing and the – point incentive to run in the top ten is making guys more conscious of like hey, I wanna read, this spot I wanna,
1: I wanna read what you wrote in the uh show sheet. Are guys racing harder at the front? Now you'd gotta read the whole
2: question. Why? Are guys racing harder at the front now to hold on to those top spots for the stage points whereas before they'd be inclined to let you pass, ride it out until the next pit stop. No. So, these are questions that we have to ask.
1: I know, but nothing makes a race car driver more aggravated than someone saying, are you racing harder? I know. We <laughs>
2: talked about this. You're not. And I and I, me, I, I just wrote, and I rode along with you a couple weeks ago, and it seemed as though you were driving very hard, even in like a little show car ride. So, I assume that you're driving as hard as you can. It'd be hard to dial yet, it.
1: Yet, with that knowledge, you wrote this into the show sheet. Hey.
2: The people that listen to this may be interested in knowing that.
1: No. Everybody's racing hard every lap. I you're mean, what in the passing. hell are you out there for you're just if not you're going to take much. a lap off? So
2: LeBron James takes games off, so maybe. We
1: can't. There and we I have. don't want to. I mean, racing's fun. That's a fresh. I don't ever want to see our guys racing harder ever uh, again. Uh, ever. In this, in this studio. No more of that on the show sheets. So this was really funny. And um, I invited, okay, so for this race, uh, I, beca- I became friends with AJ, uh, lead singer of uh, The Dangerous Summer. So I invited him to uh, the race this weekend, to see his first race. We also had Justin Hartley from This Is Us out there. We met him at the Today Show uh, and he's a huge race fan, so he he came uh, he came out to meet a lot of the drivers and spend an afternoon uh, enjoying the events. But anyways, uh, we saw this long list. We got a long we got an email or a long list of uh, who's who uh, that was going to be at the racetrack. All these celebrities that were kind of uh, invited to the race by the uh, by the racetrack, I guess, or NASCAR, and. There was a long, long, long list, right? So it's, uh, and it's, it's such a random group of celebrities. I wish we had this list. It was like 35 or so people. I have the list. So pick a few names off of there that strike you as random.
2: Um, Chrissy Metz. Okay. Never heard of her. Well, does uh, it help? Does Caitlin Olson. Yes. That was random to me, but I guess she drove the Pace car. Yep. Um, then you had like Tommy Lee, yeah. Who had seen him in like twenty years? <laughs> uh,
1: Terry Crews, yeah. Terry Crews, that was cool. Uh, so.
2: Eric Stone Street was there. He's uh, always there with Harvick. Mm-hmm. Um, from Jada Pinkett, uh, Scott Eastwood, Taylor Lautner from uh, Twilight, Nick Lachey, and his wife so, Vanessa. So
1: there was this. There was about thirty. Uh, Jackson Brittany from Vanderpump Rules, um, one of the Toms. Uh, so all these people, right? So, there, so we had the drivers' meeting, and I invited AJ to go to that. And we sat down, and there was a, they literally introduced every person that they had invited that said yes and showed up. So, what was it? 30, 35 people? You were there.
2: It, it was, it was a long time. It was it, a long time. It was like meeting.
1: a 30 minute introduction before the drivers' meeting never started. I was thinking, damn, I'm not going to get a sandwich before the race starts here. But, uh,
2: and they made the drivers' meeting like a lounge. With, yes, with the little it was chair. like a VIP lounge. Yeah, that was weird.
1: Yeah, it was creepy. So, only at Fontana does this happen,
2: right? Daytona happens, but I mean, there's it, about a,
1: every race has like a, a half a dozen, maybe three or four celebrities they that they bring in. That one will drive the pace car. One might be the guy that waves the green flag, but otherwise, um.
2: And I've never known them to have to introduce every celebrity yes,
1: they really went out of their way i I love that they come out and see what we're doing um but it was funny, even me and a j were talking about it afterwards He's like man that was that was i never expected it to be like that so it was pretty funny um but we were glad that uh, we got to we went out to the race car for uh uh after intros. Uh, that's where we saw Jackson Brittany. Um, we saw Justin at the bus before uh, the driver's meeting. AJ saw him a couple times throughout the day. They had a great time. Everybody uh, seemed
2: to have a great time, yeah. yeah.
1: I got into Danger Summer like a couple years ago. Great band. So if you want some new music uh, or he, some if you don't know the Danger Summer, check that out. And, um, yeah.
2: I, I'm sure I've heard them riding with you. but which, Otherwise, oh, I yes, don't know.
1: Oh, yes, you have. So, uh, yeah, AJ brought – they were with Hopeless Records, and AJ brought me a big old box of vinyls and CDs and T-shirts.
2: So, on that note, of all the celebrities, and mine, for me, it would probably be like Peyton Manning when he came. Yeah. Who's like the biggest celebrity or athlete, whatever, that you have met at the track?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Man. I don't know. I mean, that's there's the 500. They always bring out big yeah, dogs. Yeah, the 500. There's always, you know. I don't know. I mean, this is us. is a pretty hot show right now. So Justin's, Justin's pretty big time.
2: Yeah, because whenever he was leaving your bus, you were parked beside Larson. They were freaking week. out. Yeah, that was Larson's mom. <laughs> yeah, and she Larson's was like, oh, mom I'm went
1: crazy. We Amy was watching that show on repeat last night. Yeah, is it sad? I to, well I had to get a mop out after it was all over with. Oh gosh. Um
2: there was an oh gosh. There's got a guy on Twitter that's uh, gonna call me out.
1: Yeah. How many times <laughs> that's our drinking game for folks listening into the to the Dirty Mo uh, podcast Adele Junior Download anytime Josh say, or anytime Tyler says, Oh gosh, you need to drink. I know it's seven in the morning. It's never um, too early. Yeah. Five o'clock somewhere. So uh, I yeah I don't know was has Clint Eastwood have I ever met Clint Eastwood No I haven't I don't think I met Clint Eastwood I'd like to meet Clint Eastwood and I'd like to meet Tom Hanks but neither one of them I believe have been out to see this race I
2: wonder if NASCAR could work on that It seems like if they could they would have
1: Yeah so uh yeah the celebrities at the track that was pretty interesting so we're gonna
2: That was cool It's
1: I'm a sure great they're, seg they're It's w- a great segue into our next discussion the NCAA brackets. <laughs> Um a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the eighty eight team fills out a bracket. Adam, our in our interior guy, created a league as he does each year. All the members of the team fill out a bracket. I was very confident while I was filling mine out. I'm still um I'm still kind of uh I'm not in it anymore because you're above me and we have yeah. we both have North Carolina winning. Yeah, which but uh, I
2: Travis Peterson, one of our engineers, has them winning also. So oh, I'm not gonna win either. Dang,
1: I kind of hate that. Like, um, to be to to still have the opportunity to have the winner. Yeah. Overall, you should
2: get your money back.
1: I didn't have. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't pay money either. I have uh, not paid my money. Oh. We both owe Adam some cash. Yeah,
2: ten dollars. Ten dollars. So it's a low wager. I'm
1: tenth out of thirteenth. It's That's pretty, not very good. I know. Uh, your fifth out of 13 both picked North Carolina to win the national championship.
2: Hopefully they do it.
1: We only picked one correct team for the final four. <laughs> That's awesome yeah. and it uh, it's a different it, it's a difficult time in, at the household these days because uh, North Carolina beat Kentucky which is Amy's a wildcat.
2: It was amazing to be in the car with her as that happened.
1: Yes we did a periscope post race and uh that game was kind of winding down. So if you want to see Amy's reaction to Kentucky's loss, that would be a way to do it. So are you pulling for a North Carolina, South Carolina Final Four championship national championship game? I think that'd be cool. Well that's not really the Final Four, but
2: it, the national championship game, that would be incredible. I think it would be awesome. As long as North Carolina wins. Yes. South Carolina fans are kind of mouthy.
1: Whoa. I I was I was a South Carolina fan for quite a while. But
2: you liked the than because of the coach. Yes. Because of Spurrier. Most people didn't even know they had a basketball team until two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, I'm hoping – I don't care who the championship game is. It would be cool if it was South Carolina, North Carolina. Go as, Heels. As long as Carolina wins. Yes. Go Go Heels.
1: Go
0: Heels. This is the Exalta Race Center update for the week of March 27th. In Saturday's Service King 300 NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Auto Club Speedway, it was rookie William Byron leading junior motorsports with a fifth-place finish in his number nine Exalta Duracoat Chevrolet. He was the highest-finishing Xfinity Series regular, and he remains second in the point standings behind Elliott Sadler. Sadler finished 7th, Justin Allgaier 9th, and Michael Annette 13th for Junior Motorsports. Kyle Larson won the race. It was the first of two victories for Larson as he also took the checkered flag in the cup race on Sunday. Dell Jr. and the number 88 Exalted team finished 16th. In the car's late model tour, 17-year-old Anthony Alfredo led Junior Motorsports in the twin features at Dominion Raceway with a pair of fifth-place finishes. Josh Berry finished 11th in the first race after spinning out racing for the win with Myatt Snyder. He finished 17th in the second race with overheating issues. The Exalta Customer Experience Center officially opens in May during the All-Star Race weekend. The CEC is the first of its kind. It will be a training facility for Exalta's customers right on the campus at Hendrick Motorsports. It will be used to educate body shop technicians with Exalta's new products, technology, and innovation. For more CEC progress and updates on all Exalta Race teams, follow at Exalta Racing on all social media platforms.
2: All right, guys, let's get to some uh, fan questions. These were submitted using the hashtag AskJr. We're also live streaming on Periscope and Facebook Live. We're joined by Mike Davis, who's going to be our moderator, so that Dale and I can answer and or debate these questions.
0: We had uh, Iron Tipo asked, do you think stage racing favors short-run setups? Uh, seems that Penske and Ganassi are benefiting from this.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Obviously, the stages are long enough. There's, uh, in particular, at uh, Fontana, there's 60 laps, 60 laps, and 80 laps, so they're long enough to uh, to allow guys to have, uh, you know, to for long-run setups to sort of have success. But a long-run setup is really going to, uh, you know, show up when you have green flag stops and, um, you know, more than 60 laps, I suppose. So if you... Uh, if you have a short run setup, it's very, it's, 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 it's very good for you right now because you're going to short pit in some of these segments.
2: Yeah, because like Fontana, it's sixty laps and they're pitting at lap thirty. Right.
1: So split it up. Yep. Or, you know, you're you may pit a little bit later and still, you know, you 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 finish the segment in a short run. Right. Particular, uh, particularly, particularly uh, good for Fien- uh, Penske. I think Penske's guy's been a pretty good short run cars for a while now. We've seen that in a lot of races over the last couple of years, but yeah, I mean that looking for that short run speed, something I think we're, we're definitely uh, a little more aware of, uh, in practice and knowing that, uh, how important it is to take advantage of those restarts and be on the pass cars. That's the best opportunity to do it. You got to have the car really handling well the first uh, couple of laps of the run. So yeah, is great that, observation. Is that it as simple
2: is. as air pressure or there's other stuff that you guys got to do? It's got to come
1: off the trailer or just. But working you know it's hard to find once you get the racetrack so if you can unload with that it's great
0: here's another good question Zach Copeland asked do you think that more time in Xfinity or trucks would have benefited some of the drivers who've moved up so quickly uh, Zach cites Austin Dillon spent two years in trucks and two years in Xfinity won championships in both but hasn't really done a whole lot in cup but Kyle Larson on the other other hand spent a handful of races in trucks and won in Xfinity he has two cup wins and is doing very well both are in their fourth cup season
1: I don't think it has much to do with uh, experience as it does uh, the situation they're in. The, the, uh, the strength of the team as a whole is obviously benefiting Larson as those guys have found a little speed over the last couple of years, particularly at the end of last season, and uh, they've, they're still kind of steamrolling along with a lot of momentum. He showed up at every racetrack and been really fast. The one car as well, Jamie Murray, his teammate, has improved his performance uh, this particular year compared to last year. Wouldn't you say, Tyler?
2: Yeah, they're both really fast. So that
1: company has gotten better. That's benefiting Kyle Larson. I think that if Austin, for whatever reason, was in that same situation, he would probably be you know providing his team with you know top five finishes and wins. Uh, they, they just come out of the gate a little bit uh, less competitive, much like we have, and uh, got to work hard to get going
2: so back to their question though do you think spending more time in trucks or Xfinity is a big issue or you think
1: i think that it's team related situational okay. it depends on i know
2: but like um the one right going on right now is eric jones is running a good bit better than daniel suarez and daniel or jones is in a brand new car whereas suarez is in a car that was in the final four last year yeah
1: well suarez won the championship Right Over Jones. Right. And so, I mean, there's an argument that, you know, he was ready and Jones wasn't. Is it just because... But Jones is doing better in the cups. Are, it's just situational. They yeah. both don't drive for the same team. They're not driving the same car with the same crew chief. Uh, the communication isn't the same. Um, one's having a little bit better luck of it than the other.
2: But Suarez has finished in the top ten in the last two he weeks. He has. So he's he's rebounded.
1: He's, he's definitely starting to know find his groove it's very uh it's very very competitive in the in the cup series and it's gonna it's gonna be difficult for these guys uh to emulate the same kind of success that they've seen at other levels i mean these cars you know these cars these teams are completely different than what they had last year in the xfinity series so i'm a little more surprised i guess in the jones daniel suarez comparison because like you say suarez came into a an established car jones is in a a startup team and it looks like that um jones is showing a little bit more speed but like you say daniel's starting to come on come into his own you were i think that the norm or the general opinion is that two years in xfinity is a good foundation
2: yeah that's what uh like austin Dillon did Mm -hmm. that's what chase did um i think ty did three years maybe so
1: if you're in there longer than three years, it's only because the right opportunity financially uh, hasn't hasn't presented itself on the cup level. So, um, you know, these guys are obviously wanting to move up as fast as they can. Uh, if you're having success in the Xfinity series but aren't moving up, it's only because the opportunity cup series isn't opened up yet, or the sponsor money's not there to to be able to, to you know be able to fund a team. Sometimes these guys come out a little quickly after one season like Daniel. And um, I think that that was because uh, Carl's retirement and Daniel's uh, opportunity with his sponsors, they were ready to go. Sometimes it happens sooner than you'd like. But, yeah, I think Daniel would have benefited from from another season as as uh, as anyone would. But he'll be fine. I don't think it's going to stun his uh, – I don't think he's going to stunt his career in the cup side. He's just learning everything that he should have learned in his second year at Xfinity in the cup level. And I think he'll be fine. Right.
0: There's a lot of questions right now about TJ uh, over this, uh, from this past weekend. Some of the questions have been like, why doesn't TJ listen to you? And then there's other questions that like, you know, what was the deal with uh, getting irritated every time TJ said no pressure? Um, you don't want to explain any of that. Um, we'll be running along. Uh, for like you know, hand handful
1: of laps, ten laps, and he'll just come out of nowhere, four no four cars back, no pressure. I'm like, well, all right, what's <laughs> He gets paid by the word, so he must. Um, <laughs> it's just only time I say this. Only time I sort of get annoyed with him is when he's telling me something I don't. That's not really that important at all. Uh, Fontana, Fontana, is a very very very. Uh, technical racetrack the uh, the low downforce stuff has us really all sliding around and you've got to have like a hundred percent concentration so anytime he talks just imagine it's sort of depleting the concentration tank Um, we're at a hundred percent when he when he opens his mouth we drop down five percent and the long if he and for every five seconds that he talks in succession it drops another five percent so I'd just rather him not say anything if there's nothing really important to say. Uh, but, you know, he's just trying to – I think he's trying to calm me down and say, hey, uh, nothing to worry about here. Yeah. I take silence as nothing to worry about, you know. Uh, but, but
2: then sometimes you will – you'll, like, want somebody to be talking to you.
1: Yeah, because there's cars around me and he's not talking. <laughs>
2: but so, you, but whatever you get mouthy at him, that might be like, well, damn, he doesn't want me to say anything, and then he might like shut down emotionally.
1: He'll
0: be fine. <laughs> Another question that I just saw pop up actually from Billy, who said, you know, with the brake issues that you had had over the past couple of weeks, now we're going to Martinsville where the brakes are a huge deal. Yeah. Are you a little concerned about that?
1: I'm not because we have a we. We don't run the same brake package everywhere. We don't run the same brake package at Phoenix that we run at Martinsville. I've talked to Greg a little bit about this. I think we're seeing that with the small spoiler on the back of the car, there's way less drag. So when we lift off the uh, gas going into the corner, we're having to use more brake to slow the car down because the spoiler's not there to do it. The drag on the car is not there to do it. So we're even seeing some brake fade or uh, the pedal getting longer or softer uh even at fontana he's using quite a bit of brake getting in the corner you're gonna see that everywhere and at those hot races uh kentucky and other places where we've had brake issues in the past you're gonna have to have some sort of extra cooling on these to uh to benefit the car but you don't want to open up ducks on the front at some of the mile and a half two mile racetracks and, sa- and sacrifice downforce uh, and hurt the arrow of the car so they'll have to figure out a way to get you know, get the temperature out of the brakes one way or another. But again, go back, going back to Martinsville, we don't, we run a bigger, tougher, stronger package at Martinsville than we do at Phoenix. Um, the argument can be said that we need to move toward that bigger, tougher package for Phoenix. That we, you know, some of the stuff we have at Martinsville, where we take extra care to cool the brakes, we need to bring them, Phoenix, New Hampshire, Richmond, all those, you know, three quarter, five eighths uh even the mile race tracks we may want to run even bigger brakes or better cooling uh dover and places like that because we're going to be on the brake pedal a lot more this year due to the reduced drag in the cars but i'm pretty confident uh we run an extreme we like when you go to martinsville you run the biggest rotors the biggest calipers you, you have the most you have all the ducking on the car you can possibly fit on there so if it doesn't work, it's not because you didn't have enough or didn't do enough. It's just because the car's not driving well uh, or, you know, the driver's on the brake pedal too long down in the corner or you're, you're running up, you know, behind somebody for too long a period of time and not getting any air to the brakes, uh, thus cooking the bead and popping the tires. So we've seen tires and, and beads pop there before, and it's just due to the cars being uh, not handling well and having to use too much brake in the corner and also being in traffic for too long. You can actually you know, be mid-pack and just really close on these guys for lap after, lap after lap after lap, using a lot of brake. And if you're running really, really tight on somebody's bumper for that longer period of time, it's basically like taping the grill shut, taping the duct shut for the brake so they don't get any temp- cool, coolant. They don't, uh, the temperature goes up and it heats. the heat gets into the wheel, which pops the bead on the tire.
0: So you have to be real careful there. I think a couple of these questions must stem from your Periscope sessions after the race, which you've been doing the past couple of weeks, yeah. and I think are very enjoyable from fans. But uh, a couple of questions are, why is TJ driving every week? T-
1: TJ always drives to the airport.
2: He likes to drive.
0: He likes to do it. Yeah.
2: I navigate. He drives.
1: And Dale I, sits in the back. I sit in the back and hold the flowers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: When a driver crew chief gets fined, do they really pay the outrageous fines? Like, who actually pays that? Uh,
1: the drivers do pay the fines, and the drivers have to pay the fine before the next race, so they don't get to compete. Uh, that's a long That's that's been the standard for the for the for the many years that I've been around the sport. Um, usually this money goes back into the points fund or to the NASCAR Children's Charity. Uh, sometimes, if, You know, the drivers may offer... Like, we all offered to pony up and pay Tony's fine last year. Sometimes, if the owner feels like that his driver has been wronged and doesn't deserve the fine, the owner may step up and pay the fine. But these are all just goodwill gestures. Most of the time, it's uh, a check written by the driver. And um, I also know that some... I think Rusty Wallace paid a fine in pennies one time and brought it directly to the NASCAR hauler. That'd be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I believe that to be true. Wow. What about when crew chiefs so get fined? Like, the, you know, like Cole Pern just got $60,000 strapped to him. Yep,
1: I believe when the crew chiefs get fined, and Cole can, and Greg or anybody else can can uh, get on social media and straighten this out if I'm wrong, but I believe that the owners take care of that of the teams.
2: What if I were to get fined? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you got fined, it would probably be because Junior fined you.
2: No, what if I did something detrimental to stock car racing? A NASCAR levy to fine?
0: It
1: probably cost you your job. Oh.
2: Yeah. It's a hefty <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just call <it. laughs> That's
0: right. Um, a question right here on Periscope. I didn't see who asked it, so sorry about that. But does Amy get upset when other drivers cuss you out on yeah. the radio in competition? Oh, yeah. Or say things in radio in the, you know, in the heat of competition?
1: Yeah, she was a bit uh, Missed by uh, Blaney the other week, um, but he got her some flowers on her birthday. He didn't know it was her birthday, but he bought her uh, some white roses and some orchids and stuff. He did really, really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she gets she's on she's aware of her social media pretty constantly throughout the day. So during the race, she'll you know it's obviously lightened up a little bit during the race because of the activity on the racetrack and people people live tweeting. So she um she tries to you know bite her tongue, uh, but there's a few times when I get out of the car and and she'll have responded to, to something and uh, and you know that's that's some difficult waters to have to wade through, but she does a pretty good job with it
0: but yeah she's she's
1: she's you know she get, she gets offended just like anyone else.
0: There's a gentleman that says, I have a number eight Dale Earnhardt Goodwrench Wrangler black and silver car. What year was that? He's asking what year it was. Number eight. Number eight. It says, number eight Goodwrench Wrangler black and silver. Yeah,
1: this would have been uh, an Xfinity car Dad ran. I'm, a guess, I'm guessing it's a Pontiac Venture or a Nova. And the year would have probably been 1986. Uh, somewhere around 1986 for what was then the Bush National Series.
0: Okay. Here we've got one. Um, Lisa Nor asks, what has been the best pranks that you've done to the employees at JRM? It's coming up on April Fool's Day, so yeah, I don't is. know if you guys uh,
2: – That snake – or the uh, Canadian prank we did was pretty awesome. Not at the time, but once – Speaking – Once we were able to put it all together, because I remember we talked about that for – we spent a couple hours – the day before, and then everything was going according to plan until Steven Steffen called NASCAR, and then we're like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah, should we give a little bit of context? I mean, what, we so thought we, it would be fun to prank our travel coordinator, uh, and, and, and this, this is when we were racing in Canada, and we wanted to manufacture a problem getting across the line into Canada, right?
2: Yeah, so we used this uh, voice, rec- or voice changer program, and Martin Friedrich, who's German, it made him sound. We were trying to emulate a French person. It didn't really sound French, but
0: it sounded German.
2: Yeah, at the time, and so it it popped up the name on Steven's phone saying Canadian Border Patrol, so he thought it was legit, and we made up some form um, emissions form, and he freaked out, called NASCAR. He basically
0: said that the trucks had been confiscated and that he was in trouble because he didn't fill out the paperwork. Yeah, the trucks
2: weren't getting across the border, which if you've ever crossed the border, it's pretty serious business. So they couldn't get across. The truck driver calls, um, and Steven starts freaking out. He calls NASCAR because there was a lot of back and forth, the teams do with NASCAR to get across the border that we didn't know about. Or maybe we should have known about and done our due diligence there. So he calls NASCAR like he was supposed to. And then it's we finally reveal, like, aha, it's a prank. And we NASCAR was not happy.
0: No. They prank ended up being on us.
2: We actually have it on camera where he was on the phone with Nascar making the call saying it was a prank. And that wasn't a good reaction. So um we got called to Kelly's office. They were gonna call the crew chiefs and the drivers to the NASCAR hauler that week, but
0: yeah, we got out of it. We haven't done that again. Junior, any pranks on you, or that you pulled? Um, I can't remember were you you actually pulling one really.
1: Yeah, no, um, we put uh, two thousand crickets in Josh's bedroom one time. Oh yeah, you did and do that. So he had crickets singing him to sleep every night. Uh, we we used to. Uh, when we used to raise hail all the time, we'd um, one of the last things we'd do at the end of the night, um, if you went to bed early, if you weren't one of the first ones to go to sleep, uh, we would go in to your room and throw a bucket of water on you, then a pound of flour.
0: And uh,
1: that made things pretty messy. So we did that a few times to a few people.
0: You did that to me once, but without the flour. You don't remember this. Just a bucket of water? No, it wasn't even a bucket of water. You brought the water hose into your shop. In your your late model shop, uh, where we play basketball now, I was asleep on the couch, where the couch and TVs are. And it was like 3 or 4 in the morning, and you brought a water hose in and just went to town. I was, I'm still a little angry about that, God actually. dang. That's yeah. a really jerk thing to do. It was. It was. Blaney is right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Blaney was right. I, yeah, I agreed with Blaney, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What other questions do we have here? Why the black side skirts on the JRM cars, says Mike Wheeler. I mean, side skirts are a big deal Wait, to you. So before I've,
2: you answer that, every time we put out a paint scheme, Mike Wheeler sends us this tweet, so I'm glad we oh, right? finally okay. This good <laughs> for like four years. <laughs> is that right?
0: Yeah. All right, Mike Wheeler. Today is your day. Painted
1: side skirts cost money. Apparently, uh, we're running tight on budget here at Junior Motorsports. <laughs> That's the actual uh, truth to the to the whole thing. A car has
2: never gone faster because the side skirts.
1: I won't. All I know, but I, I I do like a good painted side skirt, so I can understand the frustration i know justin uh, algar was hoping to get his side skirts painted if he had won a race right i think yeah, he had a first bet 5 he had a bet with a shop foreman that uh, if he won one of the first 5 races they'd paint his side skirts so he won so the shop foreman said what do you want flat or gloss black <laughs> uh, so it's yeah it's just a little bit expensive for the teams to paint cuz they have to change side skirts several times during the weekend and it's expensive to paint and and uh, or decal these side skirts and have them all stashed on the truck. If we run a different paint scheme each week, you got to have several different, uh, several different side skirts ready to go and interchange them on and off the hauler. It's just a real pain in the butt.
0: Sherry Taylor on Facebook Live asked, "What is your fascination with Elvis?"
1: My grandmother was a huge Elvis fan, and when we would stay with her when we were little kids, she had all these little. Uh, Canteens and figurines and all kinds of pictures of Elvis all over our house. It seemed every day there was Elvis playing from the stereo, and if it wasn't Elvis, it was Patsy Klein or something like that. But I, out of curiosity, because of my uh, Martha Earnhardt's uh, being a fan, I, out of curiosity, just wanted to know why she was such a big fan. So I started watching a little bit of, you know, watching movies about Elvis or. Our documentaries and listened to his music and just became a fan. Any Elvis
2: I'm not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing.
1: Elvis's life story is complete is really intriguing, right? Because he kind of sure. went through yeah. these,
0: you know, highs and lows. Yeah. Brent Dudding as Martinsville Hot Dog or No. Yes. Um
1: I love the Martinsville hot dog and now that I'm doing all this cycling and uh, running and lifting weights and everything else they have us doing, I'm gonna eat some this weekend. I haven't been eating them because I haven't been working out, so I have to, you know, you, if you can't, if you're not working out, you can't, you can't just eat anything you want. But since we're doing all this hard work, I'm gonna be able to eat a few. Uh, we used to, and still do, a lot of the teams still do this. So there's these rafters in the garage area at Martinsville. If you go down in the garage area this weekend at the racetrack. You'll see on the rafters, guys are keeping score of how many hot dogs they eat. All the all the guys on the teams will basically write on the rafters, you know, how many they've had that week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The guy on the team that eats the most, you know, probably wins a pot or something of a couple hundred bucks. And uh, I used to get in on that a little bit when we raced with the Budweiser 8 team. And I'm talking eating over a dozen hot dogs in a two three-day period and i didn't i wouldn't eat any on race day obviously so i was kind of at a disadvantage. um but some guys were eating above 20 24 hot dogs a weekend in three-day period
2: i mean they're only two bucks so yeah it's it's they not are easy. so freaking good yeah and plus they're they're kind of small so it's not they like are an small. overwhelming oh no, like, yeah
1: you're right they're the perfect size and uh yeah so i'm gonna have a couple i haven't had I haven't really indulged in a while, so this weekend it's on. All right, looking ahead, we always uh, do a segment each week where we talk about what we have going on uh, Tuesday. Today we'll be at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, Hammerhead Entertainment for a goodies production. We're driving their Xfinity car at the Bristol race in August. Thursday, Texas Winter Circle appearance in Dallas with William Byron and Graham Rahal. So we're there to promote the Texas race, drive a few ticket sales. I'm sure they're selling pretty well considering the new configuration. Friday, we have practice at Martinsville. Qualifying at 4.35 p.m. Eastern on, Fo- on Fox Sports 1.
2: There's currently a 100% chance of rain, though.
1: Oh, my. Yeah. Well, I, my plan was to drive, just so you know. Oh. We're going to take the Suburban because I want to – if it's going to rain, maybe we – you we're we're, were going to drive anyways. Yeah, we're going to drive anyways, but I wanted to take the bike up there. Okay. Well, All right. Cool. So uh, even if it's raining, I can, I can ride the bike on the trainer in the bus, which is my plan Friday night. All right. Because I'm going to eat the hell out of some hot dogs. Okay. All right. Saturday, we got two practices. I'm assuming those are in the morning. Yep. As usual.
2: Well, morning and there's an afternoon one. About Ooh. ends at like 2.30.
1: Okay. And uh, we'll have a little team debrief. And then I think we'll probably helicopter home, right? Yep. A lot of folks always ask, do we stay, do we back and forth? It, yeah,
2: know? unless the weather's rough, which it looks like it's going to be the, fine.
1: If, the, if it's raining, we probably won't drive home. Right. We'll probably just stay because it's too, It's about an hour and a half drive in it.
2: Uh, hour 45, same
1: time. Uh, but if the weather's good on Saturday, we'll helicopter home and helicopter back in for the race on Sunday morning with Amy. The race starts at 2 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Good
2: luck this weekend. I will not be there.
1: Yeah, Tyler's not going to go. Yeah. Thanks. Tony Mayhoff Thanks for leaving me hanging, Tyler. Be, hey. I really appreciate that.
2: Sometimes we just need our time apart.
1: So Tony's going this weekend. He's a, another member of the brand team. You'll get to know Tony a little bit more as uh, the season goes. As uh, he will pick up all of Tyler's slack.
2: There's not much slack to pick okay. up this
1: week. What kind of pre-race meet and greets do I have? Do
2: you have an Exalta suite appearance?
1: Where's a suite at Martinsville? They even have suites.
2: Yeah, remember when you went to the TV booth last year?
1: Mm, last fall? Yes.
2: It's up there. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Exalt that. the Suite? Exalt the Suite. And then there's a Mountain Dew thing that if you bought like a ticket package, which you usually do that. It's a and a up on the hill.
1: Ah, in the tent? Yep. Ah, yeah, okay. So
2: it's pretty similar to what you normally do. All
1: mm-hmm. right, so two meet and greets in the morning of the race. Those are always a good time, especially that one up on the hill, all the fans in there. They're pretty. Yeah, they're pretty rowdy, rowdy up there. Yeah. Yes, sir. I love Martinsville. I'm really looking forward to that racetrack. Uh, it's good short track racing. And uh, again, yeah, we want to try to get in there and get our first top 10 this year. Top five win. Whatever it's traditionally
2: possible. a very, very good track for you. Right.
1: So. Well, that's the show. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, we had a lot to talk about. Obviously, uh, after Martinsville, we have one more show here in the studio.
2: Yep. Next week, we're in the Next studio. Week. And And then
1: I'm taking this show on the road. Me and Amy are going to host it after Texas.
2: And she's already talking smack about how awesome the show is going to be.
1: And the week of Easter. So it'll be me and Amy uh, out of office, uh, on location. That's going to be
2: exciting. The first one's about – it's going to involve some racing. The second one won't have any racing to talk about, so it's going to be interesting.
1: It will be fun. So uh, looking forward to having Amy on the show for a couple weeks But anyways, you guys, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Thank you to our friends at Exalta for making this happen. They they, uh, helped us build this awesome studio, and they sponsor the uh, Dirty Mo' Radio. Uh, As always, we're broadcasting from Exalta Studios at Junior Motorsports. If you want to come and uh, listen to the show, we record. We're actually going to move up to 8 o'clock. Every week, we usually record at 9. We're moving to 8.
2: Also, if you come to the studio on Tuesdays, they give you a 20% Dale Jr. download discount. Oh, yeah, in the gift shop. Yeah, we're selling some merch, watching some podcasting.
1: Yep. So, anyways, be sure to subscribe to the Dale Jr. download through DaleJr.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I think Mike went all through those in the uh, Periscope. Good job, Mike. Thank you.
2: Look at that. Thank that, man. (laughs) <laughs> Let him. us know your feedback on Twitter. It's at Dale Junior, at Overstreet Tyler, at Dirty Mo Radio, and also check out Dirty Mo Radio's Facebook page. We'll see y'all next week,
1: Tyler. I'm leaving. I won't be here the rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio.